Okay, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you just for uh, the wonderful salvation we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, it's there's so much more in it than we often really grasp. In fact, I don't think until we're in your very presence and looking back will we fully comprehend all that was ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, so often we only view salvation from the eternal perspective that it's going to let us spend eternity with you. But Lord, eternal life is something we have now. It's your life in us today. And Lord, we have at our disposal today all of the riches of your grace. Lord, we do think of the chapter at hand, uh, the chapter on help. And Lord, I pray that through this uh, study that we will come to a deeper understanding of the fact that the Christian life is actually the Christ life being produced in us. It's not us seeking to act more like Christ, but it's him being increasingly seen in us. Lord, we thank you that we have your Holy Spirit today. We pray that we would be open to his ministry and that he would open the eyes of our understanding to the truths that he has prepared each of us to learn. First, in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, we're in chapter 16, the chapter on help. And uh, it's one of those chapters that... Uh, You know, as it opens up, it kind of hits you. You know, his opening statement is, for most of us, it's time to stop asking God for help. And that so runs contrary to uh, what we have often thought, you know. Uh, Our thinking is, you know, we need to be looking to God for help, you know. God, help me conquer this sin in my life you know lord help me do this lord help me now there certainly is a place for help in our lives Uh, and that's not what he's talking about here uh as we get into this chapter he's talking about it in regards to our christian life our christian development um you know there's the English word help can have different connotations. Uh, the primary connotation really is to assist, you know, to aid. Uh, uh, but it can also have to do with uh, to totally rescue. Uh, I mean, if somebody's drowning and they uh, uh, holler help, they are not saying, you know, looking for assistance. They're looking for rescue. Uh, and there, uh, but, so we have an English word that has different, uh, ways that it can be used, but that's not only true in English, you know, in every language, words can be used in, uh, different way, have slightly different meanings in different contexts. But here he says, for most of us, it's time to stop asking God for help. He didn't help us to be saved, and he doesn't intend to help us live the Christian life. 
You know, when you stop and think about it, our salvation was not a, you know, a shared thing. It wasn't, you know, we saved ourselves as much as we could. And then uh, God did the rest. He uh, helped us in our salvation. It's like the drowning person, you know. Uh, they managed to, to swim within 10 feet of, flo- uh, of the shore and then you drug him the last 10 feet. Uh, you know, that's not our salvation. God saved us. It was 100% uh, his, his work. Certainly, we by faith accepted it but we did nothing to merit it, uh, did nothing to add to it. It was his work. And so he says it's the same way in the Christian life. God does not intend to help you and me live the Christian life. What he does want to do, and we'll see as we get into the chapter, is he does want to produce the life of Christ in us. But it's not, again, a joint effort. It's not, I do my best to live the Christian life, and then God does the rest. And, you know, he, he assists me along the way. You know, uh, a friend of mine in Ireland used to say, you know, people say that Christianity is a crutch. He said, it's not a crutch, it's a stretcher. He said, I couldn't even limp in. Uh, and there's a lot of truth to that. We've got to see that, you know, uh, salvation is a stretcher. <laughs> it's God carrying us. It's Him providing for us. Uh, it's not this dual effort. Now, I know you hear all the time, God helps those who help themselves. Show me a chapter and verse on that one. Uh, it's not in there. Uh, we have a lot of these kind of little statements that uh, we throw out there and people start thinking that that's biblical. It's not. God rescues those who come to an end of themselves. He rescues those who recognize their their own inabilities. Uh, he... Uh, uh, rescues those who cry out for help in the sense of, look, God, save me from this. Not in, Lord, just, you know, come up, shore me up, help me uh, get along a little bit further. He says, immaturity considers uh, the Lord Jesus to be a helper. On the other hand, maturity knows him, knows him to be life itself. And that's the important distinction. Paul did not say, you know, for me to live is with Christ's help. He said, for me to live is Christ. It's the very life of Christ in me. And, you know, we've got to come to that place in our understanding of the Christian life that we realize that when I'm looking for God to help me, it is the old man. It is the old man that's looking for help. It is not the new life that we have in Christ. And so, you know, we've really got to come to an understanding of 
you know, what we're saying oftentimes when we cry out to God for help. Is, you know, Lord, help me control my temper. Is it your new man that has a temper? Or is it that old man? And God's answer for it is the cross. I know it's not up there today. It kept climbing off the cross. But but the old man, uh, you know, God's answer is crucifixion and we've dealt with that some and we'll talk with it more about it more as we uh, continue forward through the book he says j.e. conant wrote christian living is not our living with christ's help it is christ living his life in us Therefore, that portion of our lives that is not his living is not Christian living. And that portion of our service that is not his doing is not Christian service. For all such life and service have but a human and natural source. And the Christian life and service have a supernatural and spiritual source. It's a pretty important statement. He says, Christian living is not our living with Christ's help. It is Christ living his life in us. Again, the Christian life is based on us being identified with Christ, where his life is our life. And his position in heaven is our position in heaven. And, you know, the Christian life is me coming more and more to that place of uh, functioning as a branch of the vine. You know, in the vine and branches discourse, Christ said, I am the vine, you are the branches. The branches don't function with the help of the vine. The branches are an outflow of the vine. The life in the branches comes from the vine. They don't have their own life that the vine in some way supplements. The life flows from the vine itself. And the more we come to see that the Christian life is about our connection to Christ. You know, it's, uh, again, years a few years back you had all the people with this WWJD. What would Jesus do? That's the flesh, you know, trying to mimic Jesus. I read somewhere a guy talking about standing in line in, in, in a store and there was a hat that was like, had WWJD on it and he, he didn't know what it meant. He asked somebody and he said, what would Je- it means what would Jesus do? He said he wouldn't pay, he wouldn't pay $25 for that hat. <laughs> so... so uh, <laughs> Uh, but you know so much of that movement was about yeah let's look and and we'll see you know and try to perceive what Jesus would do and we will try to do what he would do what Christ would do would live in would be to live in his life in total subjection to the father in total connection with the father and our Christian life is based upon us living in connection uh, with Him. 
You know, Paul insisted for me to live in Christ. And what? I can do all things through Christ. Not with his assistance, but I can do all things through Christ. Going on, says William R. Newell said, Satan's great device is to drive earnest souls back to beseeching God for what God says he has already done. Each of us has to go beyond the help stage for our new birth and thank him for what he has already done on our behalf. He says God could never answer a prayer for help in the matter of justification. You know why? Because he's already justified us. And so, you know, you can pray all day long. Lord, I want to be righteous in your sight. Lord, I want to be righteous in your sight. And he's all, we're already righteous in his sight. And so he says the same principle holds true regarding the Christian life. So many of the things we're begging and pleading for in our Christian life are already ours. Lord, give me victory over sin. We're wanting the old man to be victorious over sin rather than living in the realm of the victory Christ has already won over sin. God's not going to answer that prayer. Well, his answer is going to be, I've already given you a source of victory. I'm not going to give you the one you're looking for. And he says, you know, our Lord waits to be wanted and to be all in us and do all through us said, Christ is just sitting there waiting. Waiting us for us to really want that life that he has for us. To want him. To want him to be the, uh, the focus of our life. The focus of our ministry. He says, you know, he's sitting there waiting. And he wants to do you know be everything to us and he wants to accomplish everything he needs to accomplish through us but it's hard for us to come to that place we we came to salvation with this awareness that we couldn't get into heaven That we were lost sinners. That we were in need of God's provision. And, you know, that's where, when we came to that point, of course, we accepted what God had for us. But then, by and large, I can't say 100% of us, but by and large, after getting saved... We thought, okay, now I'm going to go out there and I'm going to live my life for God. We realized we were not righteous enough to get into heaven, but we didn't realize we didn't have the capacity to even live our daily life for the Lord.
And just like for many of us, it took years to come to the place of seeing our, uh, our need of salvation. It, for many, has taken years to come to the place of saying, God, I can't live the Christian life. And for God to say, you don't have to. That is my work. I want to produce in it in you. You know, I mean, I've said it many times, but one of the things that was really great with the ones we worked with in in Ireland was right at the start they said, we've tried to live the Christian life and we can't do it. And to say, you are at a really, really good place. You have learned the hard lesson that you can't do it. And then they were open to beginning to see who they were and what they had in Christ. And it's it's not like, you know, justification where in a moment we place our faith in Christ and we're totally justified. With the Christian life, it's not like you come to one one point in your life and, okay, Christ, I want your life to be lived with through me. And then from then on, we just sail through. No. It's a it, it it's an ongoing journey. Because by and large, I don't think we at at any moment come to see all the different areas of our life that God that Christ needs to be uh, needs to take over. You know, we'll we'll see. You know, we may see in my uh, okay in my marriage. I come to that awareness that I really need Christ in my marriage, but I may not realize I need Him in my job too. Why? Because maybe I'm doing pretty good, you know, uh, humanly speaking, on my job, but I don't realize I re- He really w- wants the life of Christ to be seen in me there, and so. Basically, it's a journey of seeing one area after another that uh, we don't need God's help in, but we need the very life of Christ in. Uh, Does that make sense? Because I think that's why uh, there's this ongoing uh, struggle at times. Um, Okay, uh, he says, uh, yeah, I just read this, by the way, again, our Lord Jesus waits to be wanted and to be all in us and to do all through us. And then he quotes from Colossians 2, 9 and 10, for in him, that is Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and ye are complete in him. He says, God is not trusted nor, uh, not honored in our continually asking him for help. In the face of my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How can we beg for help? So, you know, we, we t- it's so easy to think, well, God's going to be honored because I'm, I'm asking him for help. 
No, he says God's not honored by us constantly asking for help when Scripture tells us just of the riches we have in Christ. You know, does it honor God for us to ask him to help us gain victory over something he says we've already got victory over? Yeah. Yeah. And so we go from asking to the reality of what the truth is, and that is to thanking. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, that in this you have already made provision. I know. <laughs> <laughs> she's getting, she's jumping ahead on us here, but. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, see that next sentence, and it goes along with what Joe just said. Our responsibility is to see in the Word all that is ours in Christ, and then thank and trust Him for that which we need. You know, it, so much of what we need is there. Now, certainly, every physical need has not been met. And there is a place, you know, uh, for us to pray for, uh, you know, God's provision in those areas. But in the spiritual realm, what we need for, uh, for time and eternity is already ours in Christ. And so much of what we pray for is oftentimes things that we're told in Scripture are already there, but we, we either haven't seen it in the Word, or we haven't believed it. Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, we go on as if we're, we're pa- uh, paupers when we, uh, are really, uh, children of the Most High God. With all the provisions that, uh, that go with it. Um, he says, sooner or later we must face up to what F.J. Hugel declares. When a Christian's prayer life springs from a right position, a thorough adjustment to Christ in his death and resurrection, a vast change in procedure follows. Much of the mere begging type, though of course asking is always in order, for the Lord says, ask and ye shall receive, gives way to a positive and unspeakably joyous appropriation. Much of our begging fails to register in heaven because it fails to spring from (coughs) uh, right relations with the Father in union with Christ in death and resurrection in which position one simply appropriates what is already his. All things, says the Apostle Paul, are yours, and ye are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Since without faith it is impossible to please him, 
He says we might further consider several more strong but true statements to further clarify the attitude of faith that does please his heart. But before we get to that, let me just go back here where he does speak about uh, joyous appropriation. It's, you know, so, so much of what we ask for, we have. We need to see it. We need to appropriate it. Uh, again, you know, something I heard multiple times from students who attended our study up at uh, the school is that by the basically by the end of the school year and us going through the book, their prayers had drastically changed. They said they found less and less to be asking God for and more and more to be thanking him for. And, you know, that was encouraging for to hear them come and say, wow, my prayer life has changed. You know, it used to be I had all these things I felt I needed. Now I have so much to thank him for. And, you know, along with that, I think there, uh, the the less focused we become on ourselves, uh, the more we become in, involved in intercessory prayer. Uh, the more time we really have in our prayers to be thinking about others and what they're going through uh, and things. Uh, whereas, you know, if I still think I need this and that in, in order uh, for... Uh, for to be successful in the Christian life. I spend so much of my time just, you know, begging God for this and begging God for that. But when I begin to rest in what I have and appropriate what I have and thank Him for what I have, then there's freedom to look elsewhere. But he says, here's some other statements. Uh, he says, in our private prayers... And, uh, and in public services, A.W. Tozer writes, we are forgiving, uh, forever asking God to do things that he has either already done or cannot do because of our unbelief. We plead to him to speak when he has already spoken. His word, you know, we have in the scriptures. But we want God to speak Well, he has already spoken. And is at this very moment speaking, oftentimes through his Holy Spirit in our hearts. We ask him to come when he is already present and waiting to be recognized by him. You know, I've been in a number of prayer meetings where people pray that the Holy Spirit will come. He's there. He just wants to be recognized. He wants us to know he's there. Why? Because he tells us he's there in the Word. We beg the Holy Spirit to fill us while all the time we are preventing him by our doubts. S.D. Gordon admonished, When you are in the thick of the fight, when you are the object of attack, plead less and claim more of the ground of the blood of the Lord Jesus. I do not mean ask God to give you victory, but claim his victory to overshadow you. Again, we've talked a little bit about that earlier. You know, the thing is, we want our own victory. That's the old man. He wants to be victorious. And Gordon here says, no, we don't... 
want to ask God to give us victory, what we want to do is claim his victory to overshadow us. To say, Lord, I know Christ has been totally victorious over sin. And I want that victory to overshadow me in this situation. I want to experience the benefits of his victory. I don't need my own victory. I want to reap the benefits of his. This next one by Watchman Nee is, I think, also a good one. Watchman Nee startles many by saying God's way of deliverance is altogether different from man's way. I guess I could have been putting these up. God's way of deliverance is altogether different from man's way. He says, man's way is to try to suppress sin by seeking to overcome it. God's way is to remove the sinner. He says, you know, with man's way is I gotta conquer this sin, I gotta suppress it. God's way is to remove us from that realm, to take us over into his realm. Exactly. Sure. So talking about hell, are you for the most part talking about help in our relationship with the Lord? Because I just think of how many times, especially like in Psalms, like it's spoken about God being our help and crying out for help. That, a lot of times that's situational and not so much. You know, yeah. I was just wondering because I was thinking for what you were saying. Yeah. Like, because there are so many instances of crying out for help and God saying it's our help. Is this more in like help me? With the Christian life. Okay. okay. And that's what I, 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 I did try to say that a little at the beginning that there are areas that I'm not saying that there's no areas that we cry out for help in. But he's talking specifically about the Christian life here, where we're looking at God as an assistant in the, in the Christian life. Yeah, there, uh, are things in life that we will cry out to God for. And, of course, in the Psalms, you, you've got some things in the Psalms that they cry for help for that we wouldn't because the psalmist didn't have the provision of the Christ life. <laughs> so there are spiritual things that the psalmist might have been crying out for help in that we wouldn't be in the same position because uh, of the new life we share in Christ. But certainly, you know, uh, when his enemies were surrounding him to cry out to God, uh, uh, for his help, his rescue, uh, in that that situation and there can be situations in our life too where we would cry out uh, for God's rescue us from this perhaps this situation but again when we're talking about the Christian life so many see the Christian life as kind of a joint effort I'm doing my best to live it and God's going to help me you know I'm doing my best to conquer this sin God is going to help me no he's teaching me to live in a different realm. Yeah. But no, good question. And yeah, I was thinking like this when you were talking about, you know, people praying and crying uh, yeah. for help. Just I know that to me that could sound confusing. Yeah. Because we do often pray for help and I do think often it's glorifying to the Lord if 
it's in like what you're saying for the right reason. Yeah. Not for a lack of understanding of positional truth. Yeah. Yeah, and not for something we already have in Christ, you know. Again, when it comes to certain physical needs, material needs, things like that, yes, we are to ask. We're to, uh, to, to pray that God will supply those, uh, the answers and, and the needs. Uh, but here, yeah, we're specifically talking about in, uh, in the realm of spiritual development. Uh, because again, these are principles of spiritual growth. So we're looking at what's taking place in our lives spiritually. Yeah. Um, uh, Watchman Nee goes on. He says, many Christians mourn over their weakness, thinking that if only they were stronger, all would be well. The idea that because failure to lead the holy life is due to our impotence, something more is therefore demanded of us. And it leads us naturally to the false conception of the way of deliverance. He says, if we are preoccupied with the power of sin and our inability to meet it, then we naturally conclude that to gain victory over sin, we must have more power. If only I were stronger, we say, I could overcome my violent bursts of temper. And so we plead with the Lord to strengthen us that we may exercise more self-control. But this is altogether wrong. This is not Christianity. He says, God's means of delivering us from sin is not by making us stronger and stronger, but by making us weaker and weaker. He says, this is surely a peculiar way to victory, you say. But it is the divine way. He said, God sets us free from the dominion by sin, from sin, not by strengthening the old man, but by crucifying him. Not by helping him to do anything, but by removing him from the scene of action. That's God's way. But it takes a lot of times a struggling and defeating and pleading and everything for a while to come to the place of recognizing where the answer lies. And he says, the believer does not have to beg for help. You know, God wants us to live a victorious Christian life. He bought that life for us. He doesn't want us to beg for him, of him for help. But he says, he does... Uh, um, the believer does not have to beg for help. He does have to thankfully appropriate that which is already his in Christ. For the just shall live by faith. Now faith is based upon facts. We have to come to know the source of victory. We got to come to know the source of freedom. 
And we have got to by faith rest in those areas. The provisions are there in Christ. Again, you know, Paul writes that in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him. Which means everything God has spiritually we have at our disposal. So what do we need to beg for? You know, Paul says we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Now, Andrew Murray, he says, writes and encourages us, even though it is slow and with many a stumble, the faith that always thanks him, not for experiences, for the pro- but for the promises on which it can rely, goes on from strength to strength, still increasing in the blessed assurance that God will, uh, God himself will perfect his work in us. says, you know, we will stumble. But he says, you know, the faith that thanks God, not necessarily for the experiences. A lot of times we have a hard time thanking him for the experience we're going through, especially at the moment. Uh, sometimes you can look back uh, and be thankful for them. But he says, uh, not so much for the experiences, but for the promises that we have. You know, man, we just have so much in Christ. And the more we come to see what we have, uh, the more we um, understand the fullness of our salvation, the more it will change our prayers from God help me. I think more to God teach me. You know, instruct me, Lord. Show me what I have in Christ. Teach me to use it, Lord. Teach me how to live in the realm of Christ's victory. Teach me to live in the realm of your freedom. Okay, this was a little shorter chapter, but a very good chapter. Uh, Any questions? Yeah. Is it ever appropriate to pray for, for death to self? Or has the death already taken place and we really shouldn't be asking for that? Anymore? To pray for what? Death to self. Death to the Lord. Death no. Uh, I'm trying to think through scriptures here. Um, he talks about what putting to death. Uh, you know, sin, but we can't crucify ourselves. But it's not that. No, I don't think we can pray that about death being put to death. I, I mean, self being put to death, but that we would die to self. It's appropriate to pray for us to take the place of death that assumes it's already done. Yeah. But I have to pray to be willing to. Yeah. 
and God applies it in yeah. this situation. Yeah. Life. No, that's a good explanation. Yeah. So really, I'm, I'm always praying for appropriation. Yeah. Yeah. And not more death. No. 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 Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of it is, you know, uh, thanking him that you've been identified with the death, burial, and resurrection, and uh, perhaps praying, Lord, uh, teach me to see myself as dead to the old realm. Uh, you know. Uh, t- uh, pray for the Holy Spirit to guide you in appropriating uh, the very death uh, into an experiential way. Uh, but the reality is, you've died with Christ, but it's learning to, you know, by faith, move forward and see yourself in that light. And Rick, we're always looking for that to be a feeling yeah. rather than a fact. Than a fact, yeah. We rest in the fact. Yeah. Count it as true. Yeah, count it as true. Now, sometimes over time, it does begin to affect our feelings. Uh, but, but it starts with just by faith in the facts. You know, uh, and, and uh, you know, again, in the next section of the bigger book, he gets into position and condition. And the more we understand our position, it does begin to alter our condition. But, uh, you know, we can't rest everything on our condition. We have to do it on the basis of what God has said is positionally true of us. And the more we see ourselves in that light, the more it begins to alter our daily condition. So, yeah. Okay. Anything else? Well, and then I read at the bottom, even though it is slow and many a stumble, the faith that always thanks him, not for experiences. I was picturing of when I am experiencing the truth of Scripture. Because it seemed like you were saying it was like for the trial, yeah. the experience of hardship. But for me, it seems like it's more of a yeah. for me not to thank him for the experience of when it is lined up. And then yeah. instead just continue just to go on the promises. Yeah. So Interesting that when you read that, like, oh, I'm yeah. talking about trials here. Yeah. yeah, okay. Because that's almost for me. I mean, yeah, yeah. Enjoy that gift. Yeah. It's, it's, it's keep it's clinging to the promises. Yeah. 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 The promise is true. Yeah, the promise is true no matter what the experience. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, let me have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you. That Christ is our source. He's not our helper. He's our source. He's our source of justification. He's our source of acceptance. He's our source of sanctification. Lord, he's our source of freedom and victory. Lord, he's our source of everything. And Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who was sent into our lives to take the things that are Christ and make them known unto us. And Lord, I just pray that increasingly we would grow in our knowledge and understanding of all that we are and have in Christ. That we would believe it to be true. And Lord, that it would begin to alter our, our 
daily experience. Lord, we look forward to the time we can fellowship together now uh, in the main service. Uh, We uh, just pray that, again, your spirit would continue his work in each of our hearts. First, in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.